You're listening to Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno, supported by HomeWatch Caregivers, whose mission is to preserve dignity, protect independence, and provide peace of mind for their clients and loved ones by providing exceptional home care. 97.9 FM WCHL is pleased to present Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno. Nicole has over 15 years of experience as a geriatric social worker and administrator working in the long-term care industry to include skilled nursing care, Alzheimer's care, adult day care, and home care. She also worked as a family caregiver. In addition, Nicole co-founded a nonprofit in the Triangle that specializes in support for caregivers. Now, Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Caring Connections. Joining me today is Barbara Bennett, Investor Education Specialist and Military Liaison for the North Carolina Secretary of State Securities Division. And she's going to be talking to us about modern times and modern crimes. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you, Nicole. It's great to be here. I'm excited about this topic, not for the fact that I wish it didn't exist, but I'm excited (laughs) that you're going to be here to share the uh, great information to folks to protect them, as I'm all about protecting people if we can. So I'm glad we were able to give you a platform to do that today. We appreciate it. You brought with you some of the top 10 things uh, that people may not know about your work, but probably should. And I thought I'd highlight a few of them, and perhaps we'll have time to get to a few more. The first is that the North Carolina Secretary of State's Securities Division is required to register securities, license investment professionals, conduct compliance examinations, educate investors, investigate investor complaints, and enforce state security laws. That is a big job. It is. <laughs> wow. And how big's your staff? <laughs> uh, I think we're around 30-something right now. But still, I mean, that's a huge workload for every person. It I is. Mean, this, it, we've got a huge population here. <laughs> yes. We even have law enforcement officers, oh, gun-toting, really? handcuff-carrying folks. So. Wow. So you're protected, yes, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And I've heard that before. Oh, yes. But it, sometimes it's uh, easy easy to get tricked. 100% of investment fraud victims thought they were either too smart, would not be targeted because they had no money, or were not looking for an investment. Absolutely. People all the time say, oh, I can't be a victim. And that's what I tell them. Everybody else thought that, too. Wow. And lastly... Con artists are not going away. Our only defense is learning ways to protect ourselves. And that's why I'm here, and that's why I cover the whole state with our message. That's awesome. You have a, it sounds like you've got an exciting job. It is sure. very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's start off with the major things people should think about before investing any money. Okay, the first <laughs> thing we always want to tell people is to check with the Secretary of State's office, the Securities Division, and uh, with a five-minute phone call to our 800 number, they can check to make sure that they are protected, mostly because most of our scammers we're finding out are unregistered, and they need to be registered with us. So that will be a huge red flag, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. So um, another thing is that they need to remember that all of the money that they're putting into an investment of a security is at risk. So if someone is telling them your your initial investment, all of your money that you are actually putting in is not at risk. It's not a bank. Then, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that should be a real warning bell going off. And scammers are very, very good at what they do. And 
And so to think that you would be stupid to fall for something, it's not necessarily so. There are a lot of smart people who have fallen for them. And as they you tend to be charismatic. Oh, absolutely. And some of the tricks that they use. Uh, so we want to follow Secretary Lee Marshall's uh, slogan of check before you write one. Ah, interesting. Yes. I like that. <laughs> check before you write one. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. So what is the most common type of investment scam out there? Well, as I mentioned, unregistered agents is the thing that we're having the most problem with. If anybody saw a couple of months ago, our agency put in, prosecuted Walter Ray Reinhardt, and uh, he's now facing 15 to 20 years in jail. Mm -hmm. And uh, he targeted retired school teachers. He was not registered. And so people need to understand that there are things that they should do, such as to call us, but none of those people even knew that we were there, which is the biggest challenge, I think, for us is to let people know that we are there. We This is what we do. This is a way that they can protect themselves. So the biggest type of scan that we're seeing really is Ponzi schemes, mm-hmm. which, you know, people probably heard the name, mm-hmm. but it's basically a kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. So they may convince earlier investors that uh, they're making a great return on their investment, which makes them want to keep their money in that investment. But even if they need to get the money out, then they're going to use, the scammer is going to use later investors to pay that person a return on that investment. And that's the biggest one that we're seeing. Hmm, interesting. So these folks, though, so they must just do a whole lot of work to create a whole bunch of papers that look real. I mean, I just can't even picture. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't even know how. I mean, wow. <laughs> how they keep it straight. And that's yeah. the same thing that Bernie Madoff did. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of fake paper, and people don't see the actual cash, and yeah. they don't see a lot of the cash. Yeah. And so, but it's on paper. They're telling them verbally that they're making a great return on their investment. This is going very well for them, and people want to stick with what's working, or they that's think amazing. is working. Wow. So I've also heard the term affinity fraud. What does that mean? Okay, this is a biggie. This is not a fraud in and of itself. Affinity fraud is a way for them to market, especially Ponzi schemes, where they target a specific group. Because we tend to trust people more with whom we have something in common, they will target a group, whether it's senior citizens or people with the same profession that are in a a retirees club Mm -hmm. or a civic organization, or they speak the same language or they're from the same foreign country, things Mm -hmm. like that. And because of that natural trust to have something in common with the person, those people then let their guard down a little bit because they think this person's just like me. Mm -hmm. So they have the same moral code that I do, which unfortunately the scammers do not. Mm -hmm. And so letting that guard down by thinking that they're just like me sets them up to be victimized. And unfortunately, the most common time that we're seeing that is in faith-based community. And I'm never going to tell anybody, don't trust the person sitting next to you at your place of worship. But we want to remember what the late President Ronald Reagan said, which was trust but verify. So call us and check. (laughs) Trust but verify. That's awesome. (laughs) Okay. So today we're actually focusing on elder investment fraud and financial exploitation. What exactly is that for the lay people listening out there? Yes. It's just kind of an all-encompassing title that talks about the theft of money or personal property or other belongings that belong to a senior citizen that someone figures well, they're not going to notice that it's missing. They've got a roof over their head that's paid for. They don't need this other money. And they take advantage of that. And it's already, unfortunately, being called the crime of the 21st century. It is a growing problem. So, so the people that do these things, I mean, they don't even feel morally... 
some of them do not feel any moral right exactly and you know unfortunately sometimes it's family members and some of the younger family members maybe figure you know well grandpa would have wanted me to have that coin collection that I found in the corner of a closet upstairs and he's been gone for 27 years and there's 25 years worth of dust on the coin collection or stamp collection and next thing you know it's on eBay and it's disappeared and when they get away with that then well you know I haven't seen grandma wear this jewelry in 15 years or something she won't notice it's missing she's getting quite forgetful wow (laughs) well on that note we are going to take (laughs) a quick break (laughs) joining me today is Barbara Bennett and we are talking about modern times and modern crimes we'll be right back Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno on 97.9 FM WCHL supported by HomeWatch Caregivers now more of Caring Connections Welcome back. This is Nicole Bruno, your host of Caring Connections, and joining me today is Barbara Bennett, Investor Education Specialist and Military Liaison for the North Carolina Secretary of State Securities Division, talking about modern times and modern crimes. Let's just jump right back in because I know we have so much to cover, Barbara, <laughs> yes, and I am yeah, and I really want to get this information out there. So, first and foremost, why do scammers target older adults? It is so unfortunate, but the reality is in the numbers. 57% of fraud victims are 50 years and older. 20% of seniors that are 65 and over, and that's about 7.3 million, have already been victims of financial crime, and 12% have experienced financial mistreatment, so exploitation, things like that. Yet only one in 14 incidents of financial exploitation are reported. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things going on out there that we're not even aware of. So you can imagine, you know, how many more people Unreported. have really been yeah. affected by this. And I bet a lot, like you say, with family, they don't want to right. throw on their family. Exactly. So, they don't yeah. want to rat on their families. Yeah. So, and then of all elder abuse cases that have been reported, 30% were for financial exploitation. Mm-hmm. And the reality of it is that persons 50 and older control over 70 to 75% of the assets in this country, depending on what survey you look at. Wow. I personally don't have that much of it, yeah, but I um, <laughs> get to know you a little better there, Barbara. I know. <laughs> and when I share that information with seniors at senior centers and retirement communities and stuff, um, I always tell them, now, you know, you're going to be surprised by this, but you folks have the money. Yeah. And so it's kind of like Willie Sutton always said, the reason you rob banks, that's where the money is. Yeah. And whether they have actual cash or equity in their home, they're getting, you know, so- social security checks, they're getting pensions maybe, things that a lot of the younger generations may or may not have or may or may not mm-hmm. expect to have when they reach those ages. And, but, you know, so this is, this is where the money is and that's where the target goes a lot mm-hmm. of times. Very sad. Indeed. So what actually are the factors that make seniors more vulnerable aside from the fact that they have the money? Right. Well, the, the type of things that really could set up um, a situation uh, and make them more enticing to a scammer would be things like social isolation. Living alone. And I met a woman recently who had moved here from Ohio, mm-hmm. and most of her friends had passed away. Her family was still in Ohio. I'm not really sure why she moved here so, yeah. you know, isolated. And when her mail finally caught up with her, it was mostly junk mail, which she said normally she would 
wouldn't read. But because she had had so little human contact in so long, she sat there and read every bit of it. Mm. That's opening the door to all kinds of scams, some of that junk mail. So, um, you know, that isolation can make us more prone to answer the phone, to read something, Mm. to talk with somebody. Exactly. And so that could be a problem. Bereavement. Psychological tactics are what the scammers use. They don't want to work with your intelligence. They want to work with your emotions. Mm -hmm. And when you're distracted, that makes you more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So these folks read the obituaries. They know what's going on, and they know when to contact people. Mm -hmm. So bereavement can really set somebody up to be distracted enough that they're just not thinking 100% about what the person is saying, what personal information they're asking for, and different things like that. We we had had a really good financial planner who I checked and is on your website. Very good. Thank <laughs> you for checking. Who <laughs> came onto our show and um, he was talking about, um, he's done a lot of researchers research on widows and widowers mm-hmm. and, you know, he said that really, you know, a lot of times people are left money when the loved one passes. A lot of times when the husband passes, the wife has never dealt with the money. They exactly. don't know what to do with the money and he really advises that people take a year Absolutely. to get over that period and, and not do anything with the money until they're in a better frame of mind where they can make sound decisions. Absolutely. Um, just another case that I met, a woman in her mid-50s, and her husband was in his late 50s, died very suddenly, very unexpectedly. But he left her very financially well taken mm-hmm. care of. And it had been two years since he had passed away, and she was still petrified and had that money sitting in a savings account Ooh. because she was petrified yeah. of doing the wrong thing. And she thought she would feel so guilty if she messed it up because he had been so thoughtful to Mm -hmm. take care of her financially and that she said, I would just feel so guilty if I messed that up and, and, you know, just abused it. Like, and, and so she was, um, you know, paralyzed Mm -hmm. by this fear. And so that money certainly wasn't helping her that much at that time. So, um, you know, she she needed a little bit of help to yeah, to get moving definitely. because she didn't know what to do with so that kind that of money. Is that something that your office does as well? We can advise people on okay. what to do, mm-hmm. but um, you know we if they want to work with a financial professional. Um, Financial planners are a little different story because they can have a multitude of different Mm -hmm. licensing and different things like that. So we regulate stockbrokers and investment Mm -hmm. advisors. Mm -hmm. So no matter who they choose to do do business with and to help them in these situations, they certainly want to check with us about those two professionals. And if it's somebody with a um, that's an insurance agent, maybe Mm talking about annuities, for example, they'd want to talk with the Department of Insurance and make sure that they're registered. Yeah, because there's two different. Yes. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. So what might be if, you know, I was listening today and I was wondering, you know, geez, is mom or dad going through some issues here? Maybe there's some red flags. What might be the indications of financial abuse or exploitation? Well, one of the biggest things is the social isolation. If this is normally a person that gets out and and does things, goes to bingo, goes to the senior Mm -hmm. center, different things like that, and all of a sudden they don't do that so much anymore. Or when someone calls them to just kind of chit-chat or wants to stop by for Mm -hmm. coffee and they decline the invitation. Maybe it's because 
because they don't have the money to do that anymore mm. like they used to because money's disappearing. Maybe it's because the person who has kind of taken over their life is very good at, at isolating Control, them. Yeah. Because isolating the person also, like in any type of abuse, if you isolate the person, the chances that someone else is going to find out about it and do something about it is diminished mm -hmm. because nobody else is going to know about it if that person is kept out of sight. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the tricks that the scammer will use mm -hmm. is also to isolate them. But someone who just changes their whole activities, if somebody, a woman, for example, always took very good care of her hair and had it done every mm -hmm. whatever, sure. um, or a man always had his shoes polished and maybe went to church or mm -hmm. uh, civic group meetings, dressed you know, in a suit or whatever the case might be, and all of a sudden those habits change, it might be an indication that something is going on financially because it's so devastating to the older people. Mm -hmm. Not only do they lose faith in themselves, but uh, faith in family and their human beings. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to to talk to some of these victims and to see that uh, we had one recently, a victim, and she said it's not even the money, the sixty-five or $75,000 that she mm -hmm. lost in the scam, but it was her faith in herself mm -hmm. as an intelligent woman and her faith in her fellow human beings because, unfortunately, the scammer, in her case, had been her husband's best friend. Oh. And so she believed him. And uh, when our investigators were there, I mean, she just sat there crying. And, and you know, it, it breaks our heart to see all these kinds of things and why I'm so passionate about getting the word out to our seniors. Definitely. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we are talking about modern times and modern crimes. We'll be right back. Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno on 97.9 FM WCHL. Supported by HomeWatch Caregivers. Now, more of Caring Connections. Welcome back. Joining me today is Barbara Bennett, Investor Education Specialist and Military Liaison for the North Carolina Secretary of State Securities Division. And we are talking about modern times and modern crimes. Okay, well, we only have a few minutes left, and I want to make sure we get out these last bits of information here. So I'm going to just jump right back in. And just if you could, I know probably it's all different. It takes all different types of people. But who is the general scammer? You know, what do they look like? So not physically, but, you know. <laughs> not physically, because you'd be very surprised yeah, yeah. at some of them. But the primary abusers for financial exploitation and things like that would be caregivers or family members, unfortunately. Okay. So paid caregivers? Or? Paid caregivers can okay. be, yes. And they use the person's personal assets. They may convince them to mm -hmm. sign over personal property, mm -hmm. have their names put on their Social Security check, have mm -hmm. the names put on the investments and other bank accounts and things like mm -hmm. that and just gradually deplete them. People listening probably remember Mickey Rooney mm -hmm. and he uh, appeared before a Senate committee begging them to enforce stricter laws on those people and, and requirements and things And because his son and his son's attorney took all of his money and he died broke. And so that was family members. Another one would be trusted financial professionals. So someone who is doing a churning 
thing, which means that they're buying and selling securities because that's mm-hmm. when they make their commission. Right. So they may be telling the older person, well, you know, I think your money's going to do better over here. Oh, wait a minute. It's going to be better over mm-hmm. here. So each time they do that transaction, mm-hmm. there's a commission to be earned there. Mm-hmm. Or selling them things with very high fees that are inappropriate, mm-hmm. uh, annuities that are inappropriate mm-hmm. for that particular person. Sure. And then certainly strangers can approach people by email mm-hmm. and things. And unfortunately, the, the tar- if you want to have a picture of somebody, and, and you don't want to just limit it to this, but unfortunately, the most common person is a caregiver who is a male relative, and that person may have had some issues in their own life with substance abuse and different mm-hmm. things like that. Maybe they can't keep a job. Um, they might have a history of some mental illness or things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so that's the type of person that we're seeing most often. Mm. So, yeah, it's just anybody. <laughs> yes, it could be. <laughs> check before you write a check. Absolutely. <laughs> so I also understand that the Secretary of State's office regulates what's known as the charitable solicitation licenses. Talk to us a little bit about that. Okay, that's another uh, division within the Secretary of State's office, but we work closely with them because we know, especially this time of year, mm-hmm. there are a lot of crooks out there mm-hmm. soliciting money from them. And so you can call the charitable solicitations office at 888 888- Eight three zero four nine eight nine, and talk to someone to make sure that they're registered. Mm-hmm. If they um, are not, you want to think twice about that. Mm-hmm. You can also tell in a lot of times if they uh, how much of your money would actually go to help someone, which mm-hmm. is important to me. Sure. And if you need to know right away, you can go to the Better Business Bureau. They have a website. There's a little bit different, and just because they're on the Better Business Bureau's website does not mean that they're registered in North Carolina. Okay. So I always check both. Check both. Okay. And lastly, if listeners would like to have give you a call or to have a live anti-fraud presentation at their church or civic group or whatever, how can they contact you directly? Uh, my direct line number is 919-807-2015. One five, And my partner in preventing crime, <laughs> instead of partner in crime, is, yeah. is John Marin. And his direct line is 919-807-2106. Well, Barbara, it's been a pleasure to have you here today. You are a wealth of information. Well, thank you. And I think you've probably helped some folks listening to definitely be on the alert and, and, and to hopefully be prepared for scammers out there. So thank you again. Have a wonderful day. And as always, you may email your caring questions to caring at 1360wchl.com. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Nicole. The purpose of Caring Connections is to educate listeners to help improve the quality of life for families, for professional caregivers, as well as those people affected with Alzheimer's disease. Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno is supported by HomeWatch Caregivers. You can hear this and any other program of Caring Connections on WCHL's website, chapelboro.com. Be sure to email questions to caring at 1360wchl.com. Caring Connections is a presentation of 97.9 FM, WCHL, Chapel Hill Carborough's News, Talk, and Tar Heel Station.